Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Welcome into our Warriors Weekly podcast for 95.7 The Game. It's episode number six, John Dickinson and Gary St. Jean. St., it's great to actually see you. You know, we record this thing remotely where you and I are in different places on a week-to-week basis here. But uh, after the holiday, we're, we're meeting in studio here to, to chat for a bit. It's, it's good to see your face. You're looking good, my man. John, you are too, and happy holidays to all our listeners. Uh, Good to come in. We've got an early game today against uh, Charlotte, so it fit in perfect, and I wanted to see your happy faces. Yeah, and so we're recording this thing as the Warriors are in the middle of their road trip uh, with with a couple of losses, actually just two games to go now beyond the middle after a couple of losses to start this thing uh, in Miami and Orlando and then kind of an ugly one in Atlanta, but let's start with the fact that the Warriors for the Charlotte game and now beyond, it's looking like they're going to actually have 11 healthy players for the first time in in over a month, going back to early November, D'Angelo Russell back in the fold, uh, Kevon Looney, although on a a minutes restriction back in the fold, uh, Steve Kerr's getting some, some bodies here. Well, I think Santa's coming early to the Warriors. It's great to have these guys back. Uh, of course, Draymond will be on a minutes restriction, too, after having his n- number retired last night at Michigan State, a great ceremony. And you mentioned Looney on a minutes restriction because of the neuropathy. And just to have those two back, John, to anchor the defense, I think, is really big. And then Russell out front, uh, probably, you know, our best scoring threat. And, uh, you know, blending in to have more depth. Steve has more options. And I think that bodes well uh, against Charlotte and Chicago on the end of this trip. You know, one of, one of the things Steve Kerr had mentioned when they went from eight to nine, right? They, they didn't have Draymond Green. They were playing with eight. And Draymond comes back and he becomes the ninth man in this fold. And now Looney and Russell have been added to that. But, but just going from eight to nine, he talked about what a difference it meant in terms of rotation and minutes distribution and all of that. Uh, just uh, that's something that I think to the fan seems well eight to nine how big a difference could it be but explain just how big a difference that actually can be when you're coaching and you've got eight John what you got to do is put your hand over your eyes or close your eyes when you see a bunch of mistakes and uh, you know he's got to live with some bad shots or or a turnover a pass there or a missed defensive rotation and you know what? They talk about it during the timeout. You put your arm around them and say, hey, focus in on this stuff. Because a lot of times if it's repetitive, when you do have depth, you take a guy out and say, hey, you know, we need to do this better. But right now, Poole is a good example. He's getting to play through a lot of mistakes. And uh, this gives you a little more depth in the front line. Your rotation there is a little deeper. And then also in the backcourt. So it gives you more flexibility and an option to match up better with the opponent. Uh, I, I liked the second wave of D'Angelo Russell with the Warriors yeah. more than the first wave. It, it seemed like, you know, those first couple of games he was playing with Steph and then he went down and it, it let's be honest, it didn't look great yeah. when he was playing with Steph. Like it was going to take them a, a certain amount of time to figure out how to play together. Steph, you wipe him out now until 
the, the springtime, and you're wondering, well, because it didn't look great the first wave with D'Angelo, how's it going to look the second wave? It looked a lot better, like the Warriors were just comfortable kind of letting him go and then having the rest of the pieces play around him. How difficult or different do you see the adjustment being sort of the third go-around now as far as a stop and start for this year with D'Angelo Russell as he returns again. John, I think uh, this is a work in progress. And, uh, you, you know, you play a game, you, you watch video, you talk about it, and uh, there's, there's two ends of the court. The defensive end, uh, everybody would like him to uh, lock in a little bit better on the defensive end on and off the ball, maybe especially off the ball and dribble containment. Then on the other end of the floor, With the Nets and his past, he's been more of a pick-and-roll player, which means he's ball-dominant. And everybody knows the Warriors are a pass uh, and move people and and pass the ball. And so with that said, it's an adjustment for him. Now, a couple of those games, John, he got as hot as Steph Curry. Uh, He was on fire a couple games. So it's going to take him time a little bit here to adjust coming off the injury. But, uh, you know, I'm optimistic he can get uh, back playing at a high level. And, John, what it does is give you somebody to go to late in the game. And that's what we've been missing. These guys are working their tails off. They're staying in the game for a long period of time. But execution at the end of the game, when you go to some big-time players, uh, we've been short in bodies, and we haven't had that. John Dickinson, Gary St. Jean, our Warriors Weekly Podcast, episode number six here for 95.7 The Game. Uh, I want to go back to a couple of games on the road trip as well. You've got the Orlando game where I thought the Warriors played one of the better games of the the whole season, but they're unable to finish that. They got a little bit of a lead late uh, and and just can't finish that. It turns into a loss. And, you know, a big part of the conversation this season is the – the, the so-called competitive loss. Well, you know what? This It's going to be a long year. You're not going to make the playoffs in all likelihood anyway. You know, things from the outside yeah. start creeping in as far as draft position. Now, look, I know the coaching staff and the, and the GM, and well, maybe the GM can remove himself from it, but the coaching staff and the players, the guys that are in it from day to day, they're going out and they're trying to win every possible game. It's easy for the fans to accept the loss and kind of move on to the next one as well. That was a, that was a heck of an effort, but... I think when you look at the Orlando game and the inability to finish and then the Atlanta game and how ugly that game was and how the Warriors just didn't have it, that's one of those games where I'm a little more reluctant coming off the Orlando game to say, well, you know what, that, that's, a, that's a good loss. That's a lot. To me, you want to get those wins when you yeah. can because the Atlanta games, if you're going to continue to play as shorthanded as the Warriors have, there's going to be more games like the Atlanta game, and there just yeah. hadn't been yet. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, you want to get, get away from preaching moral victories. Uh, you were spot on about the Orlando game, and that, that was a classic example. You probably played, what, John, 44? Really good minutes. You had to lead. Sure. You went back and forth a lot against a tall, good defensive team. And uh, from that standpoint, you look at them and you say, wow. You know, what do we got to do to finish? And the key here is this. Late game execution isn't about fast break points. It's your ability in the half court. So let's look back in the past. With Kevin Durant, we ran a double drag, and then we tossed it back to the right side and posted him up or gave him an ISO. That play looks really good with Kevin Durant getting the ball. Thank you. And then if you wanted Steph Curry, you either ran a triple screen on the baseline or you ran a high pick and roll, and hopefully they switch. He gets a mismatch. Or for Clay, you get some dribble penetration and he drifts. So we don't have that. So they have to execute perfectly. And, John, what you're talking about, for example, was that side out-of-bounds play 
where Draymond entered and then he screened down for Burks and uh, or Robinson rather, and he missed the shot. But again, what did you do the previous four or five trips? Now you turn to that Atlanta game, and this is comes to be the what I call the disease of me. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to take care of everything. So now all of a sudden I go one on one. John goes one on one. Then another guy does. We stop moving the ball, and the game becomes much harder to play when you're going one-on-one. This is a team game with five guys. That's why in the past the Warriors have been admired by the whole league, the way they played together, even though they had these tremendous superstars. So now you play Charlotte tonight. They're not a, a stellar team, but yet if you come out and do the job and, and bring that energy and, and execute, you know, John, a thorn in the side has been the three-point shooting. Yeah. It's really it's really you know, magnified both, both itself. Ways. The Warriors yes, in giving them to up, knock them down, and, and, the, not and they're giving them, them up. Yeah. And, and that's something, you know, we got to get a hot hand once in a while. And if we do, like Robinson had a couple games, let's go to him. Yeah, and even teams that, that don't shoot it well have shot it well against the Warriors. One of those things that, yeah, it, it'll make you over overthink and start to, you know, analyze everything a little bit more closely. But, yeah, for whatever reason, teams that haven't shot it well, either they're getting better looks or that's just the night that they happen to be hot. Yeah, and, you know, John, we forget about these past five years. We talk about, oh, all the scoring and passing. We, the, the, the real key with the constant was the team defense. And we had a lot of great individual players, but it was the team. And, and these guys are working at it, but they don't have all the new, little nuances down yet, you know. Why are you giving up the threes? Because I'm wondering if there's a shot blocker behind me, if I crowd that guy at the three, it is, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein or, or Chris, Chris back there, can they block shots for me? Can they rotate from weak to strong? And, you know, that's paramount to, to good defense is team, team trust. You know, we were throwing this around a little bit before we started recording, just the, the, the upcoming schedule. And look, the Warriors are not in any position where they can start counting yeah. wins, right, as far as you're going to get this game or that game. The Atlanta game tells you that because nobody was playing as poorly as Atlanta was coming into that game. And that was their get right, you know, kind of a night. But Charlotte and, and Chicago had been mightily struggling before they got a win in Sacramento at the at the back end of their West Coast trip. Uh, the Grizzlies are coming in, and they're sitting their rookie phenom, yep. Morant, right now. He's dealing with a little bit of a back issue. And the Knicks are coming in. You know, as the Warriors get healthy, and, and look, the Warriors have they've been more competent-looking than I think yeah. some would have expected them to be. And that's a credit to Steve. That's a credit to the players. Yep. For the most part, the energy's been there. But if you're if you're looking at you know the reverse standings, as we joke about right now for lottery positioning and things like that, there are so many teams so close to the Warriors right now that you know you got to think the Warriors are going to start playing a little better basketball. They they might find their their way out of that top five. Well, John, you and I and all our listeners can talk about this. The coaches and the players won't do it, no, because they're focused on on the games. Uh, the GM and the front office might talk about it if you're having a bite to eat, but they're not going to talk about it in public. And you're right on what you said. Chicago and New York are are really struggling. We could see coach changes there. Uh, Cleveland is in a rebuilding mode. They have a lot of draft picks. Uh, you know, they're getting good play out of Tristan Thompson yeah. and Kevin Love. And they, they already had a bump. They had a bump. You know, so yeah. It comes in waves, right? There's parts exactly. of the year where, where bad teams are yep. playing well. There's parts of the year where bad and teams now are playing terrible. And, and Cleveland actually started off pretty well. They did. 
and now it's fallen off. And now, and and you mentioned uh, in the West, you mentioned um, Memphis, and tonight we got Charlotte. So those are the teams. But you're right in what you're saying. If if Draymond gets a little bit healthy, and if Russell's playing good, this team will win some games. So, you know, we can look and say, well, those bottom three teams all get the same odds to get those top picks. Well, that's nice because we're dreaming. And, and the, these guys are living in the real world. But we're looking ahead to the future as to what the changes will be, uh, additions to the roster, so we can uh, look at next year and be, have a real positive outlook. And, and the ba- there's a balance between, you know, all right, for the big picture, what as a franchise you may want versus the, you know, how important is winning on the floor specifically to development? Because development is, a, development is the key to this year, win or lose. But... How important is winning to further development and, and did you see a reward at the end of the tunnel? Subconsciously, it is important. I think you come into practice the next day with big eyes and a big smile. Uh, nobody wants to get beat, and uh, especially like the Atlanta game. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'll give you an example. Guys like Spellman, Pascal, Bowman, you're saying to yourself, gee, I could see those guys, you know, being good role players next year coming off the bench. Can Burks or Robinson, one of those guys, be coming off the bench for us? So you're looking at these guys, and it's the body of work. And what you don't see with these guys is like five, ten straight games where they're really playing at a consistent level. When these guys who are backup players are playing, they tend to have a couple good games, then a drop. A couple good games, and then another drop. So you're looking to see who can put it together. Like, for example, Bowman had five turnovers the other night even though he did a good job defensively on Young. And uh, you're looking at Pascal. He had a big game. What are you looking for from him, John? Can he create shots for others when he's double-teamed or when he dribble penetrates? And we want his dad to keep calling him because sure. his dad wants him to rebound. Stay on the glass. And if he'll rebound, holy moly, we got something special. Yeah, and, you know, I've been impressed the last couple of games with his ability. He he looks a little more comfortable moving the yep. ball as the defense starts to become more geared towards stopping him because he's one of the better players right now on this Warriors team. Well, let's go back to that Orlando game. In the end of the game, they decided to double-team him on the right box. Talk he, about things you don't think you're going to be doing no. if you're him coming into the league, right? But, but you loved it because he had the wherewithal and the vision to see the guy up top Draymond fed him and, and V-cut. He went through, and then he kicked it back out out of the double team. One pass to the top next to Draymond. The rotation got screwed up. There was a wide-open three in the corner. And you say, wow, that's terrific basketball. You really love what they did out there. So, you know, that gets you excited. Is the rebounding – where are you at on – I know – where are you at with him on his rebounding it's specifically because he's, he's playing different – positions and he's guarding different people it 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 seems like you know now they're asking him to 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 be a playmaker almost as a as a lead scorer in some ways is it easy for rebounding to kind of get lost in the fray there because you're moving around so much whereas if you're just hey I'm the I'm the four man and I'm dealing with other fours or I'm dealing with five then you're then, then that's more ingrained in the mentality I love his feel for the game and his instincts and I'm not going to give him a free pass he's got to put more focus on it I'm watching Doncic get 10 a game, and he's not as big and strong as uh, as Pascal is. So can he do this? And, and can we give him a cop-out, John, because he's out at the three-point line guarding a shooter? Hey, he can get back in there. Long shots create long rebounds. But if, when he's in the paint, listen, this guy's strong. 
I'm not telling him to go pursue the ball on the other side of no, the backboard. No, he's got the ability to be a really good rebounder. But whenever it's in front of him, he can go get it. And, you know, in that regard, too, to your point, Spellman, yeah, he's making shots and he's making hustle plays. How are you going to get minutes with the coaches? Good defense and get on the glass. A good big gets you a rebound every three minutes. That's your benchmark that you're looking for. Yeah, and, and Amari Spellman is somebody that has really improved from the beginning of the year and in, in, in better shape. I know yeah. he's he's been just as open as any player about the fact that he wasn't in a good place. He wasn't getting it done. He had no, nobody to blame but himself. I mean, I think you really have to appreciate the mentality that he's brought to just kind of owning the fact that he was highly enough you know, thought of to have a team spend a first round pick on him, but then he he blew his own way out of out of Atlanta and put himself in a position where he's got to succeed or he's going to be out of the league. Weren't you impressed what how honest he was yeah. about himself on and off the court? And I, I think he feels like he's got a new lease on life and a new lease on the basketball court. He loves his teammates. He loves uh, you know the coaches, and he's committed, uh, working hard with the nutritional people, and is off the court work. And he has a bright future. He's, he looks as good as you do, Saint. He well, looks like he's on your your plan. Well, I'll get him on jumpstart. That that'll work. And he, here's the deal with him, John. This guy has good feet. He's got a touch. Yeah. He, and I love his work ethic. And and Molly and I keep saying, young fella, go get it. Get the ball off the board. But I, I'm happy for a guy like him. He he's he's got a he's got a giddy up to his step and a big smile. And and, and they fixed his shot too. Yes, I mean, that's and, a great and point. I think, you know, they, they've they've fixed his shot, and I think him being in better shape. And he was shooting such a line yes. drive early. And I'm thinking, boy, this this guy, you know, you, you read the scouting report on him, and you you talk to people about him, you're thinking he should be a good shooter, and it was just not there. I mean, he was. Line driving it, uh, you know, like he was hitting it to the second baseman. Uh, but they they worked with him on a little tweak, and I think it's it's been the combination really of the the tweak in the shot and also better conditioning. Right, yeah. he's able to get his legs under him a little bit. Sure, because fatigue first thing that goes is your legs. But John, you make a great point. From college to the NBA, those couple of feet are a big difference. And and Mully and I were analyzing both their shots, and he is not trying to shoot the jump shot more. He Now, he's trying to get the, the nice push shot with body and legs in the whole shot all in one motion. Pascal's still shooting the jump shot, but I think eventually he'll come around to that because when you shoot the jumper out there, when you really get up off your feet, that tends to flatten the shot. You're so, thinking on the three ball. Yes, on, on, be, yeah. definitely on the three with both of them. His mid-range yeah. is terrific right. because he's got great lift but and he shoots over. But the three looks a little awkward. A little bit. But I, I, hey, listen, where he is is good, and and I think with some work, uh, he'll get there. But that that's where this is a new era. You have all these player development people, and they give you uh, an example of where you are and what you could envision yourself doing. And now it's putting in the time in the laboratory, you know, in in the on the practice court, and give those guys credit because they come in early and they stay late working on these things. John Dickinson, Gary St. Jean, Warriors Weekly, Episode 6 here for 95.7 The Game. I, you know, I want to talk a little about culture, and then I want to get to Jordan Poole, and then we'll we'll bounce around the league and kind of wrap things up. But, uh, you know, d- to a man, D'Angelo Russell, Glenn Robinson III, Eric Paschal, uh, Alec Burks, Kai Bowman, uh, Spellman and Chris, uh, obviously Looney's been here. Uh, even Willie Cauley-Stein, who hasn't played well, yep. 
but but he wanted to come here because he thought it would benefit his game. There, there's always a concern about culture when you're not winning and having it change. But listening to guys like Burks and Robinson specifically, even Russell, we talked about Spellman. The the culture is being held up pretty well. I mean, these guys like being here and really feel like their career is benefiting from being with the Warriors, even though the wins aren't there. And I think that's that's going to be something that's maybe a little underrated. Yeah. If this team wins 25 games this year, let's say, you, you, you forget about that. But those are the kinds of things that can translate to future years where there is more success. Well, it starts with, with uh, Steve Kerr. And, you know, he wants you to play with joy. Uh, he wants you to compete. And he wants you to grow and get better. Uh, Bob Myers helps that along, and ownership provides all the necessities that they need. Then your veterans have to set the tone. And, John, what better example than this past week? We had uh, Clay being a sideline reporter, and, and then you see him getting off the bench doing a little dance when somebody made a good play. Then you got Steph Curry. He was on the whole show with us this past week, and he was unbelievable. So you've got an, and Draymond, the heart and soul of the team, and then you have the retirement of Draymond, ownership, management, How coach, cool was that? teammates all go up there. What support? And he, he basically said, I want to be a warrior forever. Uh, this is what it's about. It's not about the money. It's about the culture, where I'm playing. And this, this is known around the league. John, when I was a young guy, we used dial tones on sure. the phone. Yeah. There were no cell phones. These guys are connecting all the time. And then, John, you've been down there. How about the practice facility? Right. How about the amenities down there? That's no, tremendous. I wish all the fans could see the facilities down there. It's tremendous. It, it's the best in the league. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, I think in a year, the way this year has played out, it's it's almost the perfect time to get a little – you know, get a little infusion. Get a little, little, little new blood, new energy uh, as far as just you know, the, the day-to-day. You, you feel like you're a part of something huge. It, it really is. Uh, you, you know, you're saying, hey, this team's been fabulous the past five years. I want to come and be a part of this. And that's the word that's out around the league. And you know what they're saying, John? Hey, we got their key guys down. This team's going to come back. Hey, I want to be a part of this. Maybe I can get a mid-level exception. Maybe I can get a veteran minimum. Maybe I can get into the Iguodala sign uh, and trade slot there. Sure. So there's opportunities for new players to come in, and we look at look at Burks and and, and Robinson, what they've done, and, and you know they were dreaming no, about playing the, with these guys. Yeah, those are two players that look like they would have been great fits yeah. the last couple of years, and great fits in the in the next quality couple of years. guys who want to play the right way. Yeah, so cult- culture I do think is is a big thing to to keep an eye on and 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 development and and I think, you know, to a man all of these players have have seen a benefit in their games. They've all spoken very highly of the situation and I, I think that bodes yep. well for being able to have a year like this and still get back closer to where you were before. Uh, you know, in, in, in short order. Uh, but that was so cool seeing all the oh. guys go to Draymond's deal and, and just the, the relationship that he has with that school and 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 with Coach Izzo and the, the love between the two of them. I mean, that, that, that's something that's just – it's it's special. Oh, uh, John, I, I, I can't put into words what it means to a coach to have a re- relationship with a player like that. And uh, Draymond's heart and soul, He when he's back up there in Saginaw, he's bleeding green. And, uh, 
you know, you could feel how much he loves the Warriors now. And that's the same culture that's here. And, and how respectful he was about Steve Kerr making that effort to come up there uh, to just be at his side. I, I just, I, I think that's, that's awesome people stuff. We for, we're thinking X's and O's and we're thinking late game and we're thinking shooting. Remember, this is people stuff, relationships, earning each other's trust and respect. And that's what goes on here. Well, and it's amazing when you look at the relationship that Draymond and Coach Kerr have had. Where oh, there's look, been fire. There's been a lot of fire. Fire and water. And him and Izzo, there was oh, a lot yeah. of fire. I mean, you hear Draymond tell the story about how he committed to Kentucky. It was and and then oh, that's priceless. Unbelievable story. He commits to Kentucky, and then Tubby Smith leaves, so he gets to reopen his yep. recruitment. And Izzo's calling him immediately, like, "What the bleep, 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 bleep? What are you doing?" Yeah, what and. and and to have a, a relationship where one Izzo would do that and be like, you should have been coming here anyway, but to have Draymond respect him enough to where he's getting yelled at, getting recruited, basically, and then, you know, they've had back and forths, obviously, during his four years there, and then to have the relationship that him and Kerr have had, which, you know, had been, there'd been a lot going on there from time to time, and, you know, from Draymond and him in the locker room and OKC going back to 16 yep. from the, you know, some of the stuff at the parade where Draymond comes out and, you know, maybe he'd had a couple and he's saying, you know, Steve don't like me at all. He hates me. Uh, but you look at where we are now a few years later and it, it, it really is a, a lot of love and a, and a healthy, healthy relationship. Well, a couple words. When you talk Draymond Green, you talk emotion. When you talk Draymond, you talk about love. I mean, he, he loves his teammates and, and everything that goes on on the basketball court. And uh, you need Draymond Greens to have a great team. And uh, that's the biggest compliment I can give him. It, it, it's a great story. I know Tom Izzo well. And uh, it, you summarized it really well, John. And he's emotional too. And uh, so that's, that's great stuff. You know, John, I want to watch the whole ceremony. I didn't get to see it. And I, I really want to watch that uh to see uh, what was done on the floor. All right, before we wrap it up, I gotta we gotta touch on Jordan Poole because yeah. you know he he's really struggled and he had one of his better games, yep. uh, the game in Miami. Yep. And I I thought, all right, this is positive. He knocked down some shots. He still isn't really finishing, but he is showing a willingness to move mm. the ball. He kind of flies around on defense a little bit, but he doesn't always know where he's going. But he's he's trying to move. Uh, so he has one of his better games, maybe his best game as a pro. And then after the game, I felt like he negated a lot of the good just with the way he dealt with yep. the media. Yep. He didn't want to talk to the, the assembled reporters yep. in Miami that wanted to talk to him after, hey, he had a good game. He had a little bit of the, oh, now you want to talk to me kind of a thing. Uh, you know, Somebody that had been reading uh, you know, about his own struggles and what people have been saying about his struggles in the early going of his career. Uh, I mean – you don't want any positive thing to be wiped away by even a mini negative. W would you have had a conversation yes. with him about that? And, yeah. and what would that conversation kind of go like? We got to remember, what is he, John? Twenty. He is. And yeah, uh, you know what? Um, it's been a rough ride for him and a roller coaster, maybe, and, and a downward roller coaster. Uh, I'll tell you a beautiful thing that happened. Maybe you don't know. Steph Curry texted him, and he told him, "You got to smile." You got to enjoy this. Remember that corner three he had on the fast break yeah. on the right side, and he didn't even make a, a signal of happiness. Right. right away, Steph was in the green room. Texted him right away after the game when he was so stoic. Texted him again. Now 
You need to hear that from your veterans. You hear it from your coach or assistant coaches. And a great guy right there is Raymond Ritter. Uh, he's a pro that we hired years ago who will pull him aside and say this. is Now, John, in his defense, maybe he's saying, oh, we lost the game. I'm not going to be too euphoric. Also fair. I'll give him that. But you got to understand the responsibilities you have and the media. And you're, he took the wrong approach. Hopefully he learns from that. Then he had a couple games after that where he didn't play well again. John, my two key things with him, he's got to get stronger because he's relying on that jump shot and the long ball. He's got to be able to take it off the bounce. Once in a while, we can see he has some vision sure. and makes a good yeah, pass. He, he'll, he Not can bad. see the four. With strength comes ability to defend, and I think he's coming up short in that area as well. So if he can get stronger and then become a better defender, the offensive stuff will come along, and also he'll do better when he's playing with the better players. John Dickinson, Gary St. Jean. We'll, we'll bounce around the league a little bit yeah. next week, uh, okay. but I wanted to make sure we got into everything yep. uh, about Jordan Poole and that specific situation because it was such a good yeah. – it was a good building block, and I, I thought maybe he wiped a little bit of it away just in the way he was kind of carrying himself. But that's a that's great insight uh, about Steph because Steph was watching that game with you guys uh, in the studios uh, on the TV side of things. All right, that's going to do it. Warriors Weekly, Episode 6. We will talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.